Hello and welcome to another bonus episode of the podcast, mainly because I just had some thoughts and I wanted to get them out there. And firstly, I wanted to discuss what happened to me this morning, which was that I pulled out on someone, definitely in the wrong, but definitely not dangerous. Do you know what? He probably didn't even need to break, but he went mental absolutely crazy like beeping his horn could see him shouting in his car swearing give me the finger and it just made me think like imagine getting so angry about something that is so mundane and literally inconsequential like this was not a dangerous pull out no one was going at speed like literally couldn't have been I don't know it was just a bit insane how he reacted and it just it kind of just made me think like one imagine being that stressed about things that really are not or should not provoke that kind of response and then two kind of how when you're in a car and I was thinking about this as well like when you're on social media you'd say and do stuff or react in a way that you wouldn't if you were face to face so I think because there's this barrier of being in the car like could you imagine if someone responded like that if I'd walked out in front of them in a shop or something that would be insane but yet road rage is such a thing which is a really strange concept but you must have this sort of safety net of being in your car and I guess the same with social media like some of the comments that people come out with you would absolutely never say that to someone's face and yet I think people think because it's social media or because maybe someone's got a big following or they're a celebrity that either it's okay to say these things or it doesn't have the same repercussions I don't know just just quite an interesting concept or not you know that actually that actually wasn't what I want to speak about but you know that's how my morning's gone so far I've also said you know a lot so I'm going to try and stop saying that what I did want to speak about is the process of dieting and how dieting or improving body composition is more about mindset than it is about physiology and so many people will tell you oh it's just about energy balance it's calories in it's calories out it's a calorie deficit that's how you lose body fat yeah that is that is the process of losing body fat well done we've known that for years it's kind of indisputable but the reason that people do dispute it is because it seems like it's far too simple and it should be way easier if it was that simple and The fact is the process is very simple, but the mindset behind it and implementing those principles might be simple, but it's certainly not easy. So if we start by looking at what I mean by the process and and why I say this is quite simple. So if I'm going to take four main elements, which I am, because that's what I've decided to do. Number one would be energy balance. So quite simply put the calories that you consume versus the calories that you expend that would be factor number one number two is protein 
So that's important to build and maintain lean body mass as well as, and in fact, I'm just gonna leave it at that because this is the process, not talking about adherence or mindset or anything like that at the moment. Number three would be exercise. So that is required to stimulate muscle growth, to build muscle and to build fitness. Um, And important here to remember that even if you don't lose weight, exercise and or being active is still improving your health. So don't think that if for some reason you don't lose weight, that you've started exercising, you've started being more active, don't think that that is pointless because it is absolutely not. And I know that maybe people who don't understand fitness as much or just passing comments can be a bit demotivating. So things like maybe your friends have been like, well, you've been going to the gym a lot, but you don't look like you've lost any weight. Or the opposite of that, which would be, you don't need to lose any more weight. So what's the point going to the gym anymore? And obviously, because you want to maintain your physique or improve your physique, but equally, you can be training not to change your physique. It could be because you want to stay fit and healthy and you want to improve your health. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be losing or gaining any weight. You could be staying or looking on the outside the exact same, but still having huge benefits on the inside. Um, So that was number three, which was exercise. And then number four would be recovery. So you can only adapt to what you can recover from. And sleep science is really fascinating and there's a huge amount of research on it. And actually I was thinking about sleep the other day and what, if you really think about it, it's such a strange concept that we all have to sleep. It's just really, I don't know, I was just thinking it's quite an odd thing. But anyway, when it all, if you're sort of looking at it in a nutshell, like too long, didn't read all of this research, didn't need to know the ins and outs and how it has small effects on hormones here and there and this and that and stress levels, etc., etc. If you want to look at it all in, in a nutshell, I would say everything just becomes that bit harder when you haven't had high quality and long enough sleep. So there are your four main principles of the process of improving body composition. Now, about five minutes ago, I said that dieting and improving your body composition is more about mindset than physiology. And I stand by that statement. But being able to understand the physiology or the processes behind this, some people call it the science, the physiology, the process, whatever you want to call it, the ability to understand that can change your mindset around it. So when you understand the process, it can make things a lot easier, it can allow you to be a lot more rational and my whole approach is about trying to help people understand the processes so that they can be a little bit more rational but kind of take the emotion away from dieting because there's a huge amount or at least take the emotion away from dieting as much as is actually possible there's a huge amount of emotion uh, attachment to food attachment to the scale and that is often what holds people back in progress and on top of that being confused by what the media is saying what some personal trainers saying on the internet what you know what 
diet's the best for you, what's the worst, now fat is a good thing, now fat is a bad thing. If you can understand where to put your efforts to get the biggest bang for your buck, the biggest return for those efforts, then it makes the process a hell of a lot more simple. It means you understand it. And I know that for me, if I don't understand something, I find it very hard to commit to it. Whereas if I know what's going to work, it's much easier for me to commit to that. And as much as sometimes the scales are misleading and, you know, it's it's hard to gauge process progress by looking at the scales. Why? Because the scales measure your weight, not your body composition. But improving body composition is quite simple and it does make sense. And if you stick to the basics and you get those, let's say those four principles in place, you will get results. And there's really no two ways about that, which is one of the things I love so much about fitness. Most of the time when you're investing something, whether that be time or money or emotion, anything, it's a bit of a risk. So you don't know if you're gonna get back as much as what you put in. And that's true for most things in life. But with fitness, it's not really true. You know that if you exercise more, you're gonna get fitter. You know that if you eat less and move more, you're gonna lose weight. Like these principles do work, which means when you put your time, effort and money into them, it's not a risk. If you do it, you know that you are going to get the reward. Many people overcomplicate fat loss, body composition, weight loss, whatever you wanna call it. They do that by, for example, focusing on hormones or trying to control their hormones. But if you go back to these four factors, what tends to happen is these hormones sort of regulate themselves. For example, the best way to control insulin, diet and exercise. The best way to control your cortisol, recovery. And understanding the basics and getting them in place means that all these other things that people use to overcomplicate this process fall into place on their own. So people are worrying about the wrong factors. Don't worry about your hormonal regulation. Know that if you get the other things in check and you don't have a a medical hormonal problem, those will fall into place. So I've understood the basics since I've been at uni, basically 10 years ago now. And I'm not saying this to show off or anything. I think everyone should understand the basics. Any personal trainer should know the fundamentals here and how body composition and fat loss goals work. And then the basic science behind that. That's the easy part. And that's the bare minimum I would expect anyone to know. Now, the hard part and the part that I've spent the following 10 years trying to refine and still working on is the mindset side and how you get someone to change their mindset around exercise and for me as I've said a lot of what I do is focus on education so that they understand the process meaning they feel in control because I I think a lot of people struggle with the fact they think god I've tried all these things I don't really understand what's working why it's working how it's working thus I don't know how to implement it myself so I jump on all these fad diets which I can't stick to, they're unsustainable, then you end up feeling like a failure, then you end up thinking, there must be something wrong with me, 
because none of this stuff is working for me and I just can't lose weight. And that's that self-fulfilling prophecy. And that mindset side is unfortunately so much harder to implement. And we're so used to comfort eating, attaching emotion to foods, approaching dieting from this on-off mentality. And the biggest game changer, if you will, that I found from trying to change people's mindset around their diet and their exercise is education and understanding. And this is why I encourage all of my clients to ask questions. And this is exactly why I do this podcast and try and answer them and explore them. Not just give really simple basic answers, but elaborate on them a bit, give different examples, see how it would implement into their life as opposed to just saying, yeah, you need to be in a calorie deficit, mate. That's it. Cool. Yeah. Yes, we know that. Thank you. How do I implement that into my life in a sustainable way that isn't restrictive and I can actually enjoy? So that's why I'm so interested in getting people's questions. Why am I on these calories? Why doesn't it matter when I eat or does it matter when I eat? How come I can eat carbs? I've heard that they're bad. Why does my fitness pal say I've burned X amount of calories, but actually if I ate that many calories, you know, these inaccuracies come in and I probably wouldn't lose weight. Like, why is that? What's going on? Understanding these things means that you're in control and there's no guesswork behind your results. And I think if I had to whittle it down to two things that seem to be like the the click or the change in mindset when working with clients and that would probably be explaining average calories so explaining that it's not this on off switch and that your body or your body fat stores are a representation of the calories that you take in and the calories that you expend over time it doesn't reset at 24 hours you can't be good for six days a week and then have a blowout on the next day if that brings your average above um, maintenance levels, you will not lose body fat. But getting that concept and getting it to actually click and understanding how much freedom and flexibility that gives you is huge. But also understanding that you have to be accountable for everything. And even if you're not accountable, more to the point, your body is accountable for everything that you put in your mouth, and every step that you do or don't take. So my take home from this fairly long-winded rant is that people tend to overcomplicate the process, the science, the physiology behind it, and underestimate the need to change your mindset. Now, on the second half of this podcast, I want to discuss a concept which Neil brought brought to light which I didn't even pay him to do but he did a post explaining why he spends x amount of money a month on personal trainers and me as an online coach and how he thinks that is money well spent which obviously bias I agree with but I would also argue that it's not really money spent it's an investment and it's an investment in yourself and an investment in yourself will also always give results. It's probably the best thing you can invest in, but it is also the hardest thing that you can invest in. And I know that firsthand. Like I'm much, I'm always looking 
well, not, okay, maybe not always. That makes it sound like I have a hell of a lot of money. But I'm often looking at things that I could invest in. And then I think, why don't I just invest in, you know, my own business and making my own business better? But that's way, way harder to do than to invest in something else. Something else that you have no control over. And maybe that's why, because you're like, oh, well, I'll put this money and then someone else will do the work to hopefully make it grow, but potentially also not make it grow. Whereas if you've invested in yourself, it's kind of up to you. So you've invested in yourself for let's say online coaching, it's up to you to put in the work to make sure that that investment was well spent. There's no point paying for an online coach and then not checking in or not doing the workouts and not committing to yourself. Maybe not even, one of the biggest things I see is paying for an online coach, but then not being prepared to be honest with them. So yeah, do you know what? Maybe you aren't sticking to your calories. That is not a failure. Absolutely not. That just means we need to work together as a team to figure out why you're not sticking to your calories and how we can make it easier for you to stick to your calories or why you're not being why you can't fit in your workouts and how we could structure them in a better way so that you do fit them in maybe they need to be shorter maybe they need to be longer but they only need to be twice a week because you can't fit it in around the other days maybe they need to be home workouts you get the gist I know that I'm always saying we're a team but I absolutely mean it you should not be embarrassed or feel like you can't speak to me about things if you're struggling. The whole point is that we amend the program to fit around you and your lifestyle to make you a better version of yourself. Anyway, I then did a story about an, an Instagram story, by the way, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I didn't write an actual storybook, um, about how a lot of trainers will try and get you to buy their services by telling you that you can't afford it but it's just not a priority and your your health should always be a priority and that you're a bad person for not prioritizing this I didn't like that approach I I don't feel like I'm here to tell you what your priority should be or how to spend your money that's completely up to you and I would never want someone to choose to work with me if they weren't in the financial position to do so. However, I don't think that's often the barrier. I think the barrier is often that we are generally pretty bad with money. So you might spend a few quid here and there on a coffee. Like I went out for a coffee this morning, got my mates as well, so five pounds. That, you know, if you think you do that a couple of times a week, that's already saving 20 quid so it and again if coffee is your favorite thing and you really look forward to going out for a coffee and that's something that you do three or four times a week but you really enjoy that time please do not stop doing that that sounds like something you get a hell of a lot of joy out of however if you just kind of habitually go and buy a coffee every morning from costa and actually you could kind of take it or leave it or you know what you could bring your own coffee and it wouldn't make that much difference and it's not a social event it's not enjoying it with a friend it's just getting a takeout coffee that's probably something you could cut from your life and save yourself probably 20 quid a week other things you can save money on things like getting taxis or ubers when you could walk things like getting your nails done getting your hair done things like alcohol, um, 
buying food on the go instead of bringing food or pre-preparing food if you're the kind of person who goes to I don't know wherever buys your lunch every lunchtime as opposed to someone who pre-prepares their lunch and brings that in every day not only would you probably have a tastier lunch a more nutritious lunch potentially if you're on a diet a more calorie controlled lunch but you're also going to save yourself a hell of a lot of money so that's like a four times winner and same with getting um, walking instead of getting a taxi one you're saving money two you're getting your steps in so that again it's a win-win um, and alcohol yeah you're saving money and you're saving calories if you're cutting that down if you're cutting it out and I'm not saying never drink or never um, buy your lunch out but I am saying that if you are going to buy your lunch out why don't you make that a social occasion something that you really enjoy and do it as a treat as opposed to doing it every single day and getting your nails and hair done again if that's something that brings you an immense amount of joy don't take out of your life but if that's something that you can identify that do you know what costs you quite a lot of money every month or every week however I don't know how often these these things need done but if it's not bringing you a huge amount of joy and it's something you could cut out and you want to save some money then cut it out so my point is not to stop doing things that you enjoy but to identify things that maybe are just a a bit of a waste of money really so this isn't meant to be about me telling you what to spend your money on and that you should in fact spend it on a trainer instead but it's about breaking it down so that you realize that actually personal training is extremely affordable and the benefit that you stand to gain from it is in my opinion priceless like my whole aim when I'm working with someone is to get them fitter healthier happier stronger and more confident and to be generally a happier version of themselves and that will translate into many areas of their life family life work life social life just feeling better about yourself generally and in my opinion that is worth every penny and I think that most people could quite easily save 20 pounds a week if they're just a bit more mindful about what they spend their money on and you know what that could buy you that could buy you commit to six which is 20 pounds a week for the six week program and I think that is brilliant value for money and I don't want to sound too salesy here and I know that actually most people who are listening to this podcast probably are already a client of mine so I'm kind of um, preaching to the converted as they would say but reducing your alcohol consumption pre-preparing your meals and walking a bit more instead of taking public transport or driving or getting a taxi will probably save you more money than the program costs if you did that over the six weeks and actually saving money is a lot like fat loss in many ways which is maybe why I'm quite good at both because some of the same principles apply so you'll want to start by assessing where you are so in fat loss that would be how many calories you're taking in at the moment in saving money I guess that would be where your expenses are going at the moment how much money you have coming in how much money you have going out can you see the similarities here how much calories you have coming in from food how much calories you're expending on exercise 
or activity levels. And then you want to probably start by looking at where you can make quick wins. So on the dieting side, that might be little swaps you can make. So things like taking out bread and swapping it for lower calorie bread or taking out mayo and swapping it for half fat mayo and coke for diet coke or little treats here and there for snacking on fruit instead things like that little easy wins but what I also want you to consider here is there are probably things that you don't want to compromise eat on dieting front and on the on the money side as well so if something I would say if something brings you a lot of joy keep it in let's say that you absolutely love I don't know full fat milk now most people when dieting might be like "Mm, I'll at least swap to semi-skimmed milk but if full fat milk is your thing if that is what you really like don't swap it you can make changes in other places so yeah okay well I really like full fat milk but actually I'm not that fussed about bread so I could quite easily cut that out and replace it with something a bit lower calorie there would be an easy swap so make your swaps where they matter to you and where they don't matter to you keep in sorry that's the wrong way around swap things that I guess don't matter to you or you don't hugely notice and then keep things in that you really enjoy so the same would be true for money maybe you're quite happy to skip your daily coffee skip your daily takeout coffee but one thing that you do really enjoy is getting your nails done every two weeks cool keep that in if it brings you joy keep it in and little swaps that you can make on the money front might be like changing supermarkets pretty sure most people would save a hell of a lot of money if they're currently shopping at Sainsbury's or like Waitrose or M&S imagine doing your weekly shop at M&S I don't think I'll ever be rich enough to consider doing that even if I was like a millionaire I think I'd be like no I can't I can't merit this um what was I talking about swapping supermarkets but I'm sure if some most people swap to like Lidl or Aldi they'd save a hell of a lot of money the other thing to do is order from a supermarket instead of going into the shop because you always come out with more than what you wanted and then often not even what you actually wanted I'm pretty sure I went to the shop yesterday to buy eggs and I bought a load of stuff and then didn't even buy eggs so you know learn from my mistakes there and then the obvious things like bulk buying planning ahead getting frozen or tinned foods where they make sense to get those so I think a lot of people turn their nose up a little bit at frozen veg and things like that but often they actually have more nutrients in because they're often picked at the time of year where they are in season and then frozen which means that they have more nutrients in because they're in season and actually they taste quite nice and they don't go off so you're you're dropping um dropping you're reducing food wasted as well which is also a very good thing and then I would probably suggest eating out less if you're someone who eats out a lot and I actually think that means you will enjoy it more and just maybe get getting creative with things that you can do that are free and you know what is free steps getting your steps in is free but even if you usually meet up with your mates for lunch or something and say actually do you want to just go for a nice walk instead that might be a, a good alternative a good and free alternative and 
I'm willing to bet. In fact, here's a little challenge. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I've just excited myself with my own idea. But here's a challenge. I want to see, or I'm willing to bet that you can save £20 a week just by being a bit more mindful about the money that you spend. And one way I've found is useful to track my expenditure my, and I guess give myself a bit of an audit is to use a card like the Revolut card that tells you where you're spending all your money and it sort of puts it into groups. So it'd be like, oh, this is how much you spent on groceries. This is how much you spend on travel, etc., etc. So then you can look at, oh God, I spend a hell of a lot on groceries. What am I actually buying here? Wow, I went into Tesco every single day this week. Could I actually just, you know, buy enough food for the week at the start of the week and then stop snacking on things here and there and going in every day or yeah I I think you get what I mean now so here's your challenge for the week I want to see how much money you can save by being more mindful about where you're spending money and what's probably going to benefit is you will probably end up saving calories as well and also increasing your energy expenditure so that is like a triple win now I have managed to speak for almost 30 minutes on my own which is quite impressive well done to me so I will end the podcast here commit to six has just opened for the November intake so please do jump on if you want to jump on if you want to discuss it with me feel free to shoot me a message probably easiest place is Instagram at ESG fitness but feel free to contact me anywhere and if you know anyone who you think would benefit from the program then please do refer them i would be hugely grateful for that thank you very much for listening to the end of this podcast and i will speak to you next week